What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Well, it's hidden yardage right here on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network and the Cowboys have made the playoffs. Did you expect, Sean Martin, I'm Mark Lane, by the way, uh, did you expect that we would be talking about playoffs <laughs> ever on our podcast? Well, I sure hope so, but at the same time, not like this, man. I mean, yeah, definitely a tough loss to sit through early in the day and then having to wait all the way to the night game between two seven five one teams. So, you know, we could just kind of forget this week happened in terms of this is how the Cowboys made it to the playoffs. So let's go ahead and look ahead to what they have the next three weeks. Hope they're playing a whole lot better, knowing that the playoffs are, in fact, to follow after that, that can't be taken away at this point. It's a, it is a big deal that they are a playoff team in consecutive seasons for the first time since the 95-96 you know, Super Bowl runs. So the fact that that part of the you know football operation here and the coaching is back to that level of consistency is good. The on-field product is anything but consistent right now, though. So that's why you know we have so much to talk about with that. But yeah, I hope we, we'd be talking about this as a playoff team. But you're behind the 13 and one Eagles, and that just pains me to say. But you know, hey, I mentioned that I have so many Giants fans. Friends, shout out to them for helping us out a little bit on this Sunday night. Yes, and you can follow Sean at Sean Martin NFL. You can follow me at the Real Mark Lane. Subscribe to the Hidden Yardage podcast on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher, and make flyers to put on your friends' cars at their work. So the thing is. For a split, split second there, I thought you were about to make like a Philadelphia Flyers reference and we were just going to go off the rails, you know, 40 seconds in no. or so. Um, well, the thing is, with how the Cowboys got in the playoffs, this is what I'm asking you, is with the backdoor aspect of it and that it took Seattle losing and, the, hmm. and Washington losing for them to get in, I mean, doesn't that kind of take the wind out of your sails? I mean, this would be like if... You got a rejection letter from Princeton, and let's go back to the year 19, um, you know, 18, and you get a rejection letter from Princeton, but then you end up getting accepted to Princeton because, you know, the Spanish flu and uh, the mortality therein. So, I mean, even though you're a D student, uh, do you still uh, take it and accept it that you got into Princeton, or do you acknowledge that... You kind of backdoored it a little bit. I'm cautiously, very cautiously optimistic that, you know, if you look at what happened to the Cowboys on the field against the Jaguars on Sunday, it was, it's more than fair to, you know, bring up every bad memory from last season when these similar types of games are happening. You know, I don't think it's an, and I'll preface this by saying Cowboys fans overreact all the time. And, you know, I loved them for it. It gives us great content. (laughs) I probably do it too. But this time it's not an overreaction to say that, you know, hey, I've seen a loss like this before. Or, oh, it's happening again. It, that's very true. And I'll g- give you the major difference, though, and why I can spin this into being optimistic about the fact that the playoffs are here. 
is that they're here in three, four weeks. And so, you know, last year there wasn't that much of a sense of urgency. It was you jumped out to a huge lead in a bad division. Everybody knew you were going to be a playoff team. You could just flip the switch then, or, oh, they'll fix it by then. Or, you know, they understand the playoffs are a different level. They're just in cruise control until then. Now it's, we know how good you were early in the year, but we know how good the Eagles have been all year long. And now you're going to get to measure yourself against the Eagles in just six days on a Saturday. So get ready for that. But all the issues that they couldn't fix over, you know, seven, eight weeks last year, they pretty much are all back in their face right again. And, oh, you have three, four weeks to fix it. So I'm kind of excited or cautiously optimistic, like I said, to see if that sense of urgency can pay off. You know, instead of just trying to flip the switch in the playoffs, act like the playoffs are here right now because they basically are. You're almost all but locked into that five seed. So these issues on offense, the musical chairs on the offensive line, the idea that we have no idea who can play a linebacker if you don't have Leighton Vanderess, these are all issues that they have to address you know, immediately. And I think that sense of urgency is good for coaches. I think it forces them to come up with you know different solutions and get creative and all things that we ask of this coaching staff anyway. So that's firmly what they have to deal with this week. And it's coming off of a loss that's going to sting and it should sting. And they'll, they'll look at it and try to move on. And you know, so that's why I think you should be excited for the playoffs because you don't have to immediately move on, but you do have a short window now to uh, go be that team that can actually make some noise in this tournament. Teams sometimes qualify for the postseason even before the game is even played. Sometimes there, there's tiebreakers that uh, just – help the team out that way. And then, of course, that, I mean, if Dallas would have won under those kind of circumstances, what would people think about it? I mean, would it count as a criticism then? Um, the, the thing is, if you look at the body of work of what Dallas did throughout the season to get to this point to even qualify, I think that it's worthy of, uh, you know, of celebration uh, for the fans, maybe for the organization for, you know, you got six days, but maybe for about 14 hours. Um, really, I'd say nine hours um, after the game went final. And then it's back to work uh, because the thing is they still have a chance to win the NFC East, and it can only happen if they beat the Eagles. Now, of course, the Eagles got something to play for, um, and this does kind of recall the Christmas Eve matchup between these two teams back in 2011, when it the you know the Eagles they weren't they could I think they were knocked out of the playoffs. At that point, for Dallas, it didn't matter because it was actually the next week at New York for the NFC East that was consequential. So it was just one of those weird games, and then Romo ends up getting hurt anyway. Um, But I don't think it's going to be like that on Christmas Eve this year. I think that Dallas is going to go out, and these two teams are going to give it their absolute best to try to put a punctuation mark on the NFC East to decide who's going to be the champion, you know? So just because they backdoored it, I don't think that this team's going to be resting 
on their laurels. No, and we do such a great job at Blogging the Boys covering, you know, everything coming out of the star. And, you know, for someone like myself who juggles, you know, both putting up that content on the site, but also other responsibilities, I, you know, look to our other writers as well to see what's happening with some of these quotes and things that you can miss at different times. And you know, one thing I'll be keeping an eye on this week to spin into my own articles is, you know, this might be overreading the situation just a bit, but, you know, when you're reacting to a loss, it just happened. I think it's fair to say, you know, obviously the Cowboys are going to prepare for the Eagles and they already have been, and they already probably know a good amount of what the Eagles are going to do. You know, the Eagles are the best signing example we have in the league right now of a team that everyone kind of knows what you're going to do and you still can't stop it. And that's kind of the model that a lot of teams want to build by. We soon know it was how the Cowboys tried to play for years under Jason Garrett and it never really worked. And now to kind of gotten away from that and that's why the back-to-back playoff teams under Mike McCarthy is that they're adaptable and that they can do different things but the Eagles are the antithesis to that the Eagles you know you know what these receivers can do you know short yardage Jalen Hurts is going to run around and be lethal on the ground if the QB sneaks and scrambling around defensively you know what they bring up front and really nobody besides you know the commanders on a random Monday night in Philadelphia have had the answer to that so I wonder now if you know the Cowboys can benefit more from instead of focusing everything on, oh, we beat the Jaguars and now we're full speed ahead to the Eagles. I think you take this Jaguars game and you look even more critically at it than maybe you would before. You don't just throw it out, you know, win or lose and say, well, it's Eagles week. I think you look at this and, you know, really dive into every aspect of it being a teaching tape and, you know, get after even some of these veterans that were playing well at times and are not well, you know, you get into them to set an example and really use this game to say, you know, hey, we can't even think about the Eagles if we play like this, this, and that, you know, looking at some of these example plays, drop balls, Kelvin Joseph blows a coverage, and then the interception, you know, did you in without even having a chance to recover from. So in some ways, I think this week is, you know, going to be more about just the Cowboys internalizing, fixing their own issues, and then trying to play it out against a team that, you know, knows themselves so well, like Philadelphia, and when you have two teams like that going up against it, you know each other with stakes on the line, and also know each other so well, and the tensions are high, and the fan bases are you know watching over Christmas Eve, it's going to be a whole lot of fun because of that. Yeah, it's going to be fun, um, and and I think the the you know Fox is going to be the big winner with that game, um, but again, I, do you think the I, I don't get the sense that the Cowboys are just going to drop off. Um, there's a group chat that I'm in, and uh, a couple of the participants, one of them's just kind of really a Dallas sports fan, mostly a baseball fan, and another one is, you know, Cowboys fan actually from out in your neck of the woods uh, back in Jersey. And it's... Uh, you know, after Dallas lost, oh, they're just going to lose every game from here on out because they've got no reason to uh, <laughs> try hard. And they may be the seventh seed by the time they go to the postseason. It's just like, well, why would you go into the postseason riding a four-game losing streak? And we did a segment last week on – you know, how did the Cowboys potentially match up with the Bucks? And yeah, I would encourage our listeners to revisit that because now this week it does seem even more likely that your first round playoff opponent is going to be the Bucks. And so I'll offer this to you to take it, you know, kind of a step further. Coming down the stretch of this season and the Bucks, you know, 
boil lead to the Bengals today. I think we all saw that. And, you know, it was a game, they, again, they could have had, but then they didn't play well down the stretch of it at all. And so the Bengals did what they do, and they come back, and Jamar Chase makes big plays on the end of Joe Bone. You know, that's just how this Bengals team has won a lot of really big games the last two years. So now the question is, hey, would you rather be exactly where this Cowboys team is, which is really good, but you're stuck behind an even better team somehow, which is bad luck, and it messes with your, you know, fortune in the playoffs, and it messes with your seeding and your chances to have a bye advance, all of that. So would you rather be the Cowboys in that position, knowing that you're still a good team, knowing that you still do have an automatic playoff spot, or the Buccaneers who – you know, can have the division. Okay, that's great. That's one more hat in Tom Brady's collection that, you know, gets thrown in a pile or whatever. But you can have the NFC South, but you know you're going into the playoffs, at least at this point. Maybe they'll turn it around, but it doesn't seem likely at all. You go into the playoffs, but like you said, you're going to be limping, you know, in the same way some people now expect the Cowboys to limp into the playoffs. So I think you ought to be the Cowboys, of course, in that situation. And I also think they match up well in a rematch with the Bucks. So, you know, that's what we could be looking at in a couple of weeks here, no matter what happens throughout the rest of the regular season for Dallas. And really, Dallas had the situation the Bucks were in in 2021 because all that needed to happen for Dak, I mean, for the Cowboys to win the East was for Dak Prescott to play all 17 games. He played 16. That's all that needed to happen. And it happened, and they won the East. So I think you're right. Uh, you kind of need this team to... Stay, I don't want to use the word hungry because they're all hungry, but you just need that threat out there of this impediment that eventually they're going to have to face because Christmas Eve or not, they're going to have to face the Eagles in an absolute do-or-die game in January. And that's going to tell the whole story of the season and the direction of both franchises, by the way. And game plan wise, you know, again, I don't think that the Cowboys are necessarily going to come in with anything crazy or exotic just just for the Eagles. I think they're really going to try to make this a game where they just focus on, you know, doing what they do best or trying to get back to figuring out what it is they do best. You know, what is your best pairing on the offensive line that's going to let you get back to running the ball more efficiently? What is, you know, the answer at receiver to get these guys more open or create separation or get guys over the top? And defensively, there's a whole slew of issues, you know, in the secondary and what's the answer to getting more pressure up front so you don't have to blitz as much? Or is the answer to blitz more and, you know, just really go after it and knowing you're going to give up some plays, but are you going to get the sacks and, the results that can also end drives as well. So, you know, I think it's a week where you're focusing more on just going into this game, knowing that you're good enough if you just fix your own mistakes as opposed to, to having to just bury your head down and say, oh, the Eagles, they're 13-1. We better spend every waking second, you know, just figuring out exactly what we need to do against their weaknesses. I think you internalize it more, like I said, and focus on your own strengths and weaknesses as the Cowboys this week. And knowing that, it's you know, it should be good enough if you come out fixing your own issues this week going up against an Eagles team, it's going to practice probably the very same way. They all know, you know, we all know what they do and they work on it so well that they come into a game day ready to just be surgical with it. So two teams preparing the same way and they both expect that that'll be good enough in a head-to-head matchup. And, you know, if you're the Cowboys, even after this deflating loss, you should believe that. And so we'll see exactly how it plays out. Do you think that um, Dan Quinn's defense is coming apart? And here's why I say that. Because they gave up, 500 yards total offense and 40 touch I mean 40 points and the Jaguars became the seventh team 
to do this against the Cowboys since 1960. And the last time that this occurred was week uh, four, I believe it was, in 2020 when Mike Nolan was coordinating the defense. And the Cleveland Browns did that to Dallas with um, Baker Mayfield under center. So, I mean, it it really was a Mike Nolan-esque performance in Jacksonville, Sean. I can't remember the last time Mike Nolan's name came up on this show, but it's only fitting, you know, now, now that we're talking about another bad loss. So, and I remember that Browns game vividly as well for the, uh, what was it, like a blocked field goal that ended up being a two-point conversion or an extra point or something wacky at the end of that game. Uh, it was a memorable play, but I don't think his defense is coming apart because I still see a lot of positions where, you know, he's maximizing talent that, you know, I wouldn't say nearly go as far as saying shouldn't be out there, but you know he's maximizing talent that you didn't necessarily expect to be playing these big-time snaps or these full-time starting roles. You know, they found something in Deron Bland, and they're going to ride that, it seems. You know, he certainly needs to play over Kelvin Joseph. You need to see more of Bland and Nason Wright as opposed to Kelvin Joseph, I think. That's pretty clear, and I think that's what we'll see. So, you know, you have something in Deron Bland. I think the best compliment to Deron Bland, besides the way he finishes interceptions the same way Trayvon Diggs does, which is great to see is, you know, when he's in the game, Quinn still feels comfortable. And I have this in my post-game notes at BTB as well. Quinn feels comfortable with Bland to still call some of these exotic blitzes and some different things. You know, when it was Joseph out there, it was like, okay, everybody get into a basic coverage. We need to, you know, not do anything crazy. You could have safety help. Donovan Wilson, instead of doing what you do best and playing forward, you're now backpedaling, going backwards. You can help in the secondary and that you still gave up, you know, long passes to Zay Jones and, ended up giving up a commanding 17-point lead in this game. So you have to get back to what you do best. I mentioned in the Twitter spaces that we did for quenching the playoff spot that you know I think you need more from the front four as well. I think that was a difference between the way you avoided the upset against the Texans and then couldn't avoid this upset against the Jaguars. That goal line stand came from the defensive line. Those guys set the tone up front. And so when they're not making plays, you know it can make any defense look bad. So... Where was the splash play from Demarcus Lawrence in this game? Where was Oso Odigizua, Neville Gallimore, Carlos Watkins? Any of these guys were really missing an action against the Jaguars, and they did such a great job with misdirection runs and different things. And, you know, of course, the uh, type of read option game in Trevor Lawrence's game that you can expect to see much more of from Jalen Hurts on Saturday, so that could be some good teaching tape you know, to take into an immediate game where you're facing another mobile quarterback. But it starts up front again for this defense, and you have the names, you have the talent. So for those reasons, I don't think the defense is falling apart. Just a matter of, you know, how many lineup changes can you patch together in a short period of time here. And the biggest area of concern, and I'm very concerned about myself as a linebacker, of course, if you do have to move forward without Leighton Vanderess, you know, it's just such a huge issue. Anthony Barr got picked on in coverage a bit in this game. That can easily continue. You know, you get to see more of Jabril Cox finally back out there. What position is he in to play? Damone Clark, what can he get out of him? But linebacker could really become a glaring weakness on this team very quickly. And that one I would be worried about. You know, then we can say the defense is falling apart if we continue to see the way the linebackers played without Vanderess against the Jaguars. Well, don't they have a linebacker that uh, rushes as a defensive end? I mean, couldn't he go back there? You just get another defensive end? Well, you want to take even more away from you know a pass rush that was underwhelming again today. I mean, I you might have to do it for this aspect because you need him where he's best for sure. But 
Parson, I um, worry about Parsons getting run down over the next three games at defensive end. And that's something he's already kind of alluded to. He's mentioned, you know, hey, I was a lot fresher uh, when I was playing more linebacker last year, and now, you know, defensive end is taking a toll on my body. You get hit every play in the trenches, trench warfare. We get it. It's hard. Um, you know, it has been an interesting sight all season. You know, they cut to the sideline, and, you know, Aiden Dirt and the Cowboys defensive staff is like, you know, holding their, holding Parsons' shoulder pads, like waiting to toss him back on the field. Everybody can't wait to get him back out there. But, you know, they just know they're trying to do what's best for him as far as load management, knowing that however many snaps he plays at defensive end is more valuable than, you know, a full game at trying to play both or even just a full game at defensive end where he gets more tired even more quickly. So, yes, Parsons could be part of the answer at linebacker. And then you have to ask even more from the guys who, you know, struggled in this game with the Dante Fowlers and the Doinch Armstrongs and, and this pass for us to get going, you know, or is the answer to play more big coverage if you are going to have, you know, Nashawn Wright, who's a lengthy corner who can play some zone for you, and Deron Bland, who is good in zone on his Fresno State tape as well, you know, is the answer to get away from what's worked so well this season with the pressure package stuff and to start kind of prevent defensing this thing and drop back. And, you know, you still better find someone that can stop the run. You know, these offenses are going to check your oil up the middle. You still better have some defensive tackles in there that can make some plays and especially a linebacker as well. But, you know, is the answer then playing more zone coverage and forcing the offenses to you know, really go to length for the field on you and then hoping your own offense can do that to put the game pressure on them. And I feel like that is what's happened to Dan Quinn's defense is I think with the injuries, particularly to Jonathan Hankins and Anthony Brown and, Jordan Lewis and maybe even Leighton Vander Esch, that they've kind of he's kind of been restored to default settings, if you will. And so right. now he's trying to figure out what he's got to work with. And then from that I think he'll put the players in the best positions to succeed. I think right now he's trying to figure out what he's got and you know you may see them have to relearn some things if you will develop new cohesion yeah it goes without saying you know the eagles are a great test for any struggling defense to really see where you're at you know they don't i don't think they do anything all that exotic on offense with Jalen hurts they just show up and put them behind a massive offensive line with three dominant receivers and you know throw some simple route concepts at you and say, we're just flat out better than you. And so, you know, Quinn doesn't back down from a challenge like that, though. He's going to think he has the guys to match up a man coverage. And when they do hit a play over the top, you know, that's going to happen. But you expect the pass rush to get home and you have to hold up against the run and probably be the biggest concern right up the middle against this Eagles team. And this Parsons going to then spy Jalen Hurts more and you'll get what you just said about him playing linebacker the rest of the season if he does you know, have a good game spying Jalen Hurts against the Eagles. So, you know, definitely a good offense to see where you're at defensively coming up on a short week for this Cowboys team. Hurts did, you know, threw two interceptions against the Bears today in the game that the Eagles had a win close again. So, you know, for all these talk about style points and the Cowboys only escaping the Texans and how much that was a nightmare, little do we know at that point that we'd be then talking about a loss to the Jaguars the next week, and maybe we would have celebrated the Texans' win just a little bit more. But, you know, Hurts was 22-37 today, 
did put up the big 315 yards, but two interceptions, no touchdowns. So it's not like he's unbeatable and, you know, Dan Quinn will feel like he has a good game plan going in. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. That's the point of the season that we're at, though, is you've got good teams with bad records. Good example of that is the Detroit Lions. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are that type of team. Uh, and really, with regards to the Texans, uh, they took the Kansas City Chiefs into overtime. So I think that it, it, a lot of teams are starting. I mean, we all see it in our fantasy leagues, too. There's usually a team that's horrible, had a seven-game losing Streaks starting out, and now they're starting to win and complicate things and be the spoiler for potential playoff teams. So I think that's what's happening. I think the Jaguars are a good team, just, you know, for the better. <laughs> they got the same record as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, for goodness sakes, you know? Um, but it's I think this, to me, is the most concerning aspect coming out of the game that just will never be corrected and it just is what it is with regards to the Cowboys. Um, they recover the fumble, first and 10, minute 28, at the Dallas 38-yard line. And they run the ball, Ezekiel Elliott loses three yards, whatever. But they burn a timeout for Jacksonville. Pollard, three yards. Burn another timeout for Jacksonville. And then on third and 10... From the 38-yard line, Dak Prescott throws it deep for Noah Brown. Incomplete. Jacksonville preserves a timeout as Dallas leads by three. And and then after that, Lawrence leads them on the game-tying field goal. Then they get into overtime and whatever. But they could have won the game or at least taken enough time off the clock or taken that timeout 
on that last drive, and they didn't. And that's what concerns me about the new Mike McCarthy or Kellen Moore or whoever is they defy football common sense. Bill Parcells would have never done something like that. That just flies in the face of everything we know about this game. Why would you not try to get Jacksonville to burn that other time out? You know? Then they wouldn't have had it. They would have had to run a fire drill to try to set up the game-winning field goal of 48 yards. So it's it's that aspect that is troublesome about this team. The baseline for that drive was to get Jacksonville to use all three timeouts. I mean, that was that would have been the bare minimum was saying that, you know, oh, we don't feel great about even having to punt it back away at all, but at least they're getting it in a dire situation, fire drill, no timeouts, squeeze them to the sideline, trust Dan Quinn's defense, all these great things. Game ends, regulation, and we're painting a much brighter story this entire Monday here at Blogging the Boys. But, you know, instead, yeah, you throw it. The only positive, the only good thing I can say about this entire drive, and I'll have to look at the All-22 to see, you know, how it actually played out. But the only good thing is that, you know, we've seen week by week, slowly but surely, CDLM emerging more as a wide receiver one. And on that third down, I'm sure you noticed it, other fans did too. CDLM saw something in the coverage and he was immediately signaling, you know, whether it was to Prescott or Moore or anybody attention he could get lining up before that snap. He was signaling, you know, I want the ball, wide receiver one mentality. You'll love to see that from Lamb. And that certainly, you know, you would think where the ball always sort of tried to go. Of course, the Jaguars knew that that's where the Cowboys were going to try to go. And you know, maybe the coverage dictated that you throw a deep shot to Noah Brown. But it's hard to believe your best play in that situation, like you said so well is a deep pass to Noah Brown. You know, he giveth and taketh away in this game. The interception that lost it in overtime should have been caught. But at the same time, looking at that play, Dalton Soltz also kind of picked the wrong defender on the crossing route. And, you know, if he gets the right guy, Brown runs free and maybe even turns it into a big, you know, play. And, heck, maybe he breaks a tackle and sets up a field goal. And we're talking about, you know, Noah Brown, hero of the game. So game of inches type stuff, except for that third down. That wasn't game of inches. That was you know, a low percentage play that immediately increased Jacksonville's chances to go win this game. And that's exactly what they took advantage of and did. So very poor sequence there. It's concerning long-term, I would say as well, because, you know, it's the type of hero ball that we all said Prescott was going to have to play this season. And they proved us wrong so far, as far as finding other ways to win or being better off at receiver than we fought. But now it seems to all be, you know, all be crashing down and, we had one week last week of hero ball working, and now we have hero ball not working. So the truth of how well this is going to work is always, you know, somewhere in the middle of those two things, probably. And so are you as good as that game-winning drive against the Texans? Are you as bad as what you put out there against the Jaguars? You know, I think the middle of that isn't nearly as good as what we saw early in the season from this Cowboys team. So how do you get back to that? How do you deal with the fact that, you know, once again, it feels like Kellen Moore's offense is being figured out again, and it's, you know, unimaginative at times, and it's four call outs to the sticks and nothing else, and, you know, these things have been pointing out since the Texans game, and now it got compounded because you finally lost one that you could have had with just another first down, so that falls firmly on Kellen Moore's shoulders, and, you know, no disrespect to Noah Brown, he's had a great year, he's had a great, you know, story to come up and be a contributor this year, he saw that T.Y. Hilton was inactive and yet is a guy who could still be over his shoulder a bit 
and went out and had a big game at times, but still not the guy we want to see, you know, a deep pass to throw down game on the line. And so that's why you went and made a T.Y. Hilton move, or why you still have Jerry saying that, you know, OBJ is apparently going to be joining this team, but still not in the regular season. All these things can still help your receiving core, but what you had out there right in that moment against Jacksonville was good enough to win the game. You just didn't execute it right nearly at all. And, you know, like you said, Bill Parcells, that wouldn't happen or any of these types of things. So you didn't execute and the Jaguars did. And, you know, they made every single play they needed to to get back in this game and then go take advantage of a fortuitous bounce and win this thing. Yeah, I don't blame Noel Brown at all. Um, I don't think this is his fault. This is just, like I said, Dallas flying in the face of conventional football okay and i just that's it's gonna bite them uh in the playoffs this type unless you know they play the perfect game and blow someone out by 33 in the fourth quarter but it's just that type of stuff that's so puzzling but it's been the hallmark really of the mike mccarthy regime is this the, go back to week two against the Chargers in 2021 and uh, not getting having to do the fire drill just to kick a field goal? Um, that's just one example that comes to mind. And they, this, some of these don't bite them, but when they do, they really hurt. And if they would have just played conventional football there, you know, I think that they, I don't think Jacksonville would have comfortably been able to line up for a 48 yard field goal. And And McCarvey's aggressiveness is, you know, overall helped this team, but you know, you can almost walk through it second by second. Like he's hearing, you know, Kellen dialing up a throw down pass on throw down. He's like, Oh, this is going to be great. You know, this is exactly what I would do. I have an OC that's on the same page as me. Let's go make this pass, put the ball in your best player, Prescott's hands and let's go do this thing. And then, you know, 30 seconds later, he's watching the ball get flung 40 yards downfield in coverage on the sideline to Noah Brown. And, you know, just not the outcome that you needed at all in that situation. Yeah. And with regards to the old L Beckham situation, um, this I think is going to go on forever because he's not, he's, um, he's not with a team. So he's going to join us. So Mark. that's, uh, there's no tampering. So Jerry will be, will be saying what wants about Odell until free agency and the new league year opens in 2023. So, you know, it's uh, kind of like Pavlov's, Dog, I mean, at this point, I, I think that at some point, Cowboys fans will just stop responding, you know, all the push notifications on their phone. This is where you could almost just do a whole episode on, you know, team building type mock draft type things, because, you know, it is kind of a frustrating thing with this Cowboys team front office wise right now. They've been proven right on so many of these moves, but yet it might not matter just because not all positions are created equal. You know, we know that there's weight to how these games play out as far as where your talent is and, you know, where you need your best players to be. So it's like, you know, cool story that you have, you know, Dante Fowler playing pretty well. Cool that you brought J. Ron Coast back and so safety is a strength for the first time, you know, 30 years 
in this defense, but you know, how many games did those positions win you compared to receiver or some of these other positions? So, you know, it might not matter that all the other moves worked out because the one that we, you know, harped on the most and the one that we criticized the most was not having enough at receiver. And right now that's popping up and it really did hurt them in such a big way in this Jaguars game. Yeah. I also think just the decision-making on that third down is what really hurt them because. And the one, and the one guy you've brought in, you know, James Washington, you know, he might be the biggest flop so far of the, it's not fair to say that yet because coming back from injury, but you know, where you needed to hit the most, he's the guy who's supposed to be that, you know, that player at the biggest position of need. And yeah, you haven't gotten anything out of James Washington yet. So maybe that pressure now sifts to T.Y. Hilton. Which is why in some regards, it's shocking this team even won 10 games um, with the, with what they did on offense. But hey, it's because Tony Pollard had a career year. I mean, I think he's kind of the, MVP skill position uh, of the offense. Yeah, I think you're going to need to see a huge game from Pollard against the Eagles. You know, kind of take some pages out of their playbook of what they do with Jalen Hurts and, you know, go ahead and get Pollard in space more and go sustain drives. Go look at the highlights if you're a Cowboys fan this week of, you know, David Montgomery and Justin Fields and what they did to the Eagles defense on Sunday if you missed that game. So, you know, I think this needs to be a big game for Pollard and, you know, of course, every Eagles fan out there is familiar with Ezekiel Elliott. He's been a big part of this rivalry, and there's some big games he's had against the Eagles and, you know, tough running up, up against some really good Eagles defenses. So all that can be, you know, in the past. But I think, yeah, this Saturday needs to be really another highlight feature type game for Tony Pollard, no doubt. For sure. All right, let's go ahead and get to some Cowboys birthdays here. On Monday, Phil Posdorak played tackle for Dallas from 1982 to 87 uh, he was considered a so-so player, almost a bust, and he was responsible. He didn't get Harry Carson. I mean, Carl Banks blocked of the New York Giants, the outside linebacker who came in and broke Danny White's wrist in October of 1986. Uh, Phil Posdrak turns 63 years old. On Tuesday, Nate Newton, he played with Dallas from 86 to 98. And when you think of big, fat guys on the offensive line, and John Madden loved Nate Newton the most, um, he turned 61 years old. And on Tuesday, Roy Williams, the receiver, he was with Dallas from 08 to 2010, turns 41 years old. And then on Saturday... Linebacker Kevin Burnett, he was a second-round pick for the Dallas Cowboys from Tennessee. He turns 40 years old, and he was with the team from 05 to 08. And those are your Cowboys' birthdays. And when the Roy Williams trade happened, that was like great when I was just kind of like starting to pick up and, you know, into just how the NFL worked in general. You know, I, I started as a baseball fan more so, and, you know, at that point, that was when I was first starting to learn, you know, what the NFL was all about. And so all I heard was I wasn't familiar with Williams' game too much to that point, but all I heard was, you know, the Cowboys just got this great receiver. And, you know, I was, of course, such a big Romo fan. And I'm like, yeah, bring bring any and all talent to this offense. This is going to be great. You know, how can anybody stop us now? And, well, we all know how that played out. So that's kind of my memory of from that list of uh, four players there. You know, Nate Newton, I still see more as a uh, – 
you know, Cowboys media member and doing what we do as opposed to his playing days, but brings a lot of energy to the whole DallasCowboys.com podcast network and all those shows too. So happy birthday all, all across the board to our, our four Cowboys birthdays this week. Yeah, and with the Roy Williams trade, what was interesting about it was they made that trade right at the trade deadline, but they made it like right after Tony Romo broke the metacarpal in his throwing hand. And it's just like, why would you do that? Like, (laughs) clearly it's not weapons. It's blocking. It's left guard because um, Kyle Kozier was was, uh, often injured that season, and so was Montre Holland. And uh, they were going with Corey Proctor. I mean, it's left guard, Jerry. It's the offensive line. It's not weapons. We give it too much of a pass to Tyler Smith, by the way. And I know we don't usually throw football topics in after we do the birthdays, but I mean, are we are we giving Tyler Smith too much credit at this point for what he did early in the season? Because I'm watching this game and I'm watching replays to get ready to do this show, and you know he's just getting beat, and like no one's talking about it right now because it might be time to have the conversation about him going to what might be his permanent home of left guard and Tyron Smith to left tackle, and then you figure it out with Jason Peters at right tackle. Yeah, I think that's what needs to happen is Tyron at left tackle, Tyler at left guard, and then platoon it at right tackle between Josh Ball and um just see Josh Ball and Jason Peters. And he can still go to the playoffs, by the way. See, I think, I think I'm with you on all of that, but the rotation at right tackle, I couldn't disagree with more. Because Peters was not good either in this game, and that's a big point. And, you know, Bobby Belt had, had the stat of the Cowboys were like a three, almost full, three, four yards better per play when Tyron Smith was your right tackle against the Jaguars compared to Jason Peters. And I think maybe the fix could be as simple, though, as, you know, just getting Peters those more consistent reps. I don't think he was as good as he can be just because he was worried about, you know, coming off the field or different looks and, you know, only knowing the plays he was out there for type of thing. So maybe it is as simple as then you just put Peters at right tackle for a full game and that would solve that problem. And then that also solves a lot of other problems that Smith is having at left tackle and it puts Tyron back to a natural spot. So that would be an easy fix if it is as simple as, you know, Peters just needs more reps, but if not, then yeah, I don't think the plan can involve more of a platoon or sporting reps. I think that needs to end, especially if, you know, part of the plan is Josh Ball, who just really struggled so much against the Texans. I know that they went with Doug Free and Jeremy Parnell in 2014 and split reps at right tackle and went to the playoffs and won a playoff game. And they also got robbed with the Des catch thing. So it can be done. But that's the thing is, you know, Ball's probably not even the, at the level Jeremy Parnell is. So, you know. Right. Yeah, it doesn't seem like any other plans besides like an absolute emergency involve Josh Ball actually being on the field right now. So, you know, more reps for Jason Peters this week is something I'm going to keep an eye on. Yep, we'll be keeping an eye on all of it. Subscribe to the Hidden Yardage podcast on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. And uh, follow Sean Martin at Sean Martin NFL. Follow me at The Real Mark Lane. You've been listening to the Hidden Yardage podcast. So there it is.
What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.